Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Our topic today is past performance. This is part two of a series about past performance and how to use it to your advantage. You may notice my voice sounds a little different, a little deeper, which would be cool, except that it's because I've got some kind of horrible a chest congestion thing going on. I'll be better soon, so enjoy this while you can. Let's get started with part two of our past performance series. We're back to talking about past performance again. Remind me why we, when, how we decided to do a series on past performance again. I wrote an article for our Skyway members, Skyway community members, about how much more valuable past performance can be than those three basic evaluation elements in most competitions, those three being technical, price, and schedule. So this is part two in our series about past performance and source selections. We covered the basics in part one, which was episode 267, called the past performance advantage. And that one we talked about how Advantages in your technical capabilities and price can erode over time. So competitors improve their technical capabilities and eventually they can scale to lower their price to match you. Competitors can bid a lower price, of course, and technical approaches, they can be copied, uh, re-engineered and just become outdated, right? Um, But past performance, it's tough to manufacture. I mean, that's why it's an advantage. In the best case, past performance is built with a strategy in mind by targeting specific opportunities. And when used well and valued properly, past performance can be the difference between winning and losing. Before we get into part two, where past performance is actually applied to a source selection, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Angelina Gibson. Uh, Angelina is a government contracts manager at Surefire LLC in the Los Angeles, California area. I want to thank Angelina first for taking the time to give me her detailed feedback on the Contracting Officer podcast, and also for being an active Skyway community member. I took a page of notes during our feedback call, and I learned how she uses the information from both the podcast and our Skyway community videos and tools. One of the best ways for us to learn how to better serve our podcast listeners, as well as our Skyway community members, is for people like Angelina to give us their advice and input. By the way, Angelina, we are working on developing learning tracks through the community content, just like you suggested. So thanks for the idea. Thanks, Angelina. All right, let's get into past performance part two. What are we talking about? Past performance is a very big topic. That's why we're breaking it into four parts for this series. We'll get started with FAR time right out of the gate. FAR 15.305 proposal evaluation is where this past performance stuff lies, at least in context of, of source selections, right? FAR 15305A tells us that proposal evaluation is an assessment of the proposal and the offer's ability to perform the prospective contract successfully. Here's the important part. It says, an agency shall evaluate competitive proposals, then assess their relative qualities solely on the factors and sub-factors specified in the solicitation. The reason that's important is that language. It's one of the reasons that proposals are so critically important in government contracting. The government can't deviate from what is in the RFP based on this reference. It says solely on the factors and sub-factors specified in this solicitation. So that's one of those foot stomper moments. And that's why we're talking about this in context of past performance. 
In part one of this series, we talked about the factors the government uses to evaluate past performance and what they mean in context. Here in part two of the series, we're talking about 15.305A2, little i, little i. Two little i's. <laughs> this is where the FAR tells the government that they have to explain how they're going to evaluate past performance, including cases where there is no past performance. So that links directly to the, the top level 305A that we just talked about. You have to tell offers what you're going to evaluate and how, and then you have to do that, and you don't get to evaluate other things. All right, let's dig into the points that 15305A to little I is, is telling us to dig into. <laughs> it says the solicitation shall describe the approach for evaluating past performance, including first evaluating offers with no relevant performance history. So the government asks for your past performance on this, this solicitation, but they can't count you out if you don't actually have any. Yeah, this is quite different from your personal life or, or, in the commercial world for your business where you wouldn't usually consider someone who'd never done the job before. Since this is the government world, we have to treat everyone fairly and that in air quotes. Yeah, that was definitely air quotes. Treat everyone fairly by allowing people that don't actually have any performance history to bid on this job. And you have to tell them how you'll rate that. Usually it says something like, if you don't have any past performance history, you'll get a neutral rating. So not good or not bad past performance rating. So it can actually be better to have no past performance than, than bad past performance. The next shall in this paragraph is shall provide offers an opportunity to identify past or current contracts, including federal, state, and local government and commercial contracts for efforts similar to the government requirement. And how is similar defined here? That goes back to, they have to tell you what's recent relevant. And that's what we talked about in part one of this series, is yeah. all the elements that make up the term similar. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. And it's some, sometimes that's mandated. Actually, it's better if, it's, if the government mandates, submit three past performance references that meet this set of criteria, and we'll consider them, them relevant. If you don't have three, that's okay. And sometimes they'll say three to five. Right. Which means if you have 20, you got to pick the top five. Don't send us 20. Right. But better, like you said, similar is, is a kind of a squishy gray word. We don't really like that. We like the black and white stuff better in this world. So av having the government say, this is what we consider to be similar. If it meets these criteria, it's similar. Helps a lot. And we'll talk about why later. Next shall, the solicitation shall also authorize offers to provide information on problems encountered on the identified contracts and the offer's corrective actions. Who submits past performance references where things went poorly? <laughs> hey, yeah. I, I, here's my past performance. I screwed it up three times. Give me a contract. <laughs> and by the same token, there's, there's also advice out there that if you've, if you've messed something up and you know the government is going to find it, like if they Google you and they find it, right, then the best thing to do is to address it. In fact, there's a proposal strategy that says find it, fix it, focus on it. So you found what the problem was, you showed how you're going to fix it, and then you highlight that in your proposal and say, yeah, we screwed this up before, here's how we fix it, it won't happen again. But yeah. th that's, a, that's a decision, that's a, that's a strategic decision because if it's something that they never would have found and it wasn't that big of a deal, 
you're right. Why would you show it? But if it's something that they're going to find and they're going to ding you for anyway, this gives you the ability to say, hey, the far said I was supposed to bring this up. Please don't ding me in my past performance evaluation because I brought it up and showed you how I fixed it. Yeah, it could actually be more powerful than past performance where you did something really well because it shows that, hey, something went wrong and we know how to fix problems and deliver anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, it, which is, that's a winning strategy. It, it, it can be. Can be. If you do submit a past performance reference where there were problems encountered and you do explain what those problems were and how you fixed them. This is not an opportunity to point fingers or cast blame. You don't say this was going well, but the Kotar was a jerk and <laughs> screwed it all up. And therefore we had to do all this extra stuff. No, 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 no. That's not going to win you a lot of points. Exactly. Right. So, so don't point fingers, accept the responsibility of this is what happened because sometimes bad things happen in contracts can't control everything. And this is how we fix it. And that how we fix it is the important part. All right, on to the next shall. The government shall consider this information, the past performance information you've submitted, as well as information obtained from any other sources when evaluating the offer's past performance. It basically means at a minimum, they're going to Google you, right? Uh, <laughs> but but they could do some primary research. They could They could lean over the cubicle and say, hey, does anybody else in the office have contracts with company X and you hope that that's not a, yeah, don't do that again. Kind of. Yeah. So we, yeah, there's that understand they can pull it from anywhere. And that's a really important point. The government should be looking for other sources because that's how they might uncover the not so good past performances, right? If, if they ask for three references and you actually have five similar contracts in your past, you probably only submit the three that went best. If one of them went really poorly the government can find that there's there's plenty of of databases you know sometimes within the same agency same office there's past performance that is there if you just look for it i actually had one where the during the source selection process during the evaluation of the past performance i called the administrative contracting officer who was in a different part of my agency it, was, it wasn't physically located with me but he revealed a story that wasn't in their past performance history. This, the story I got in the proposal was, hey, everything's fine. Well, this one, it did not go fine. Um, <laughs> it, it did not cost them the contract, but it made me put some special terms and conditions around how we manage their, their relationship. So I found it, and it didn't, wasn't that hard. Yeah. But again, people talk within the agencies. Yeah, and again, if you find it, you can't operate on hearsay. You kind of have to document where you obtain the other information and, and have it in the vial so that you can prove, not prove, but you at least have documentation of the information that, that you were relying on. And, and heads up to the government folks in this, in this story, they told me, yeah, they didn't do well, et cetera, et cetera. They didn't have a whole lot of documentation. That's why I couldn't kick them out. It was an opinion of a, of a right. program manager from a different contract. Eh, that's not enough <laughs> to say they can't perform, but it did, it did set my cackles up a little bit. So after award, it was it was helpful. It was helpful. It was a good thing that you looked. You're trying to achieve the mission in the end, award to somebody. And if they do, if there are risk factors, you're setting yourself up to manage those risks from the beginning. Go. All right. Last shall in FAR 15305A2, little I, little I. The source selection authority <laughs> shall determine the relevance of similar past performance information. 
hopefully not at the very end of the process, right? This should be clearly or as clearly as can be understood you know, during the RFP process, right? Because you got that, that squishy word again, similar. That's a judgment call. And yes, this sentence says shall do it, but it's you know, shall decide on what's similar. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. squishy. So decide up front and tell the offers. Best practice is to define similar, define that relevance in the RFP or the draft RFP so that you can get any issues resolved before the proposals are written and submitted and evaluated. This really helps industry target and helps clarify what kind of company the government is looking for to do this job. And maybe they're not looking at things right and an industry can convince them to open their eyes a little farther. Or maybe industry says, this one isn't for me. Before we get into the why this matters and why people care about all this stuff and how to implement it, let's stop and talk about when this occurs during the acquisition and execution time zones. During the acquisition time zones, what we're talking about is really the market research zone. What I was just saying about sharing information, what what is relevant, do that during the market research zone. Industry will tell you if no that you're a little bit off there. This this kind of work is really relevant to this because of these reasons and the government has a chance to reconsider and rewrite things. The RFP zone is where it's locked in and the government says these are the past performance criteria we're going to evaluate and how and this is what you have to submit and the industry's writing their proposal to respond to that. And the source selection zone is where the government has to follow the rules that they set out and evaluate only what they asked for and evaluate it in the way that they said they were going to evaluate it. And the source selection zone is where we find out just how clearly both sides understood what the term similar meant. <laughs> right, right. Did you do a good job in working that out beforehand? And then the execution time zones during the performance zone is we see, okay, well, did this work? Did these evaluation criteria match what the performance we actually wanted to get? How can we learn from that? Yeah. Um, and the industry and, folks, this is where you're building up that past performance. This is where you're doing a good job and documenting it so that you can support what you did this time. When this contract, the current contract is your past performance, you got to have it documented so that you can use it for the next one or the next ones. The importance of the past performance library starts right here. And we're saying performance zone is where this is all happening. The wrap-up zone, the last of the four execution time zones, the wrap-up zone is where you got to make sure that, okay, contract's over. Let's do a little past performance write-up and describe all the good things about this and and how big was it and how long did it last and, and what kind of things would it be relevant to. Let's put this in a document and stick it in that past performance library. And if you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones or in episode number three and the execution time zones are in episode 84. All right, let's get into why the government cares about defining past performance criteria and when what is what does similar mean? Government cares because unclear RFP requirements, including like regarding the importance and relevance of the past performance, that means offers have to guess. I mean, if they don't know what you want, they're going to guess or they're not going to bid, and both of those are bad, right? Especially if communications are, were limited during the pre-RFP phase, you know, during the market research zone. Because once the RFP hits the street and you move into the RFP zone, then the questions are harder to answer and, and things are more concrete. And that leads to a lot of proposals coming, well, not a lot, too many <laughs> proposals coming from people who aren't companies, offers, who aren't likely to win because 
they're unqualified or underqualified because they clearly they didn't clearly understand how their past performance is going to be evaluated. And the result of this is the acquisition team has a bigger workload because you're getting more proposals that you have to evaluate that takes longer to award. Raising my hand because I've done this. We got proposals from, from a company that their past performance was similar, but in a different industry. <laughs> so it's like it, it, you can't actually perform on this contract, but we had to evaluate them. We had to, I, I sound kind of snarky, but we had to go through the evaluation process. They asked for a debrief. All of that stuff, all the time it took to do, stretched out, I don't know, added extra two weeks. We'll multiply that by the number of, of proposals, and yes, it, it, it adds work. Yeah, if you don't know what kind of experience, what kind of past performance is valuable for this acquisition, then there's no way you can define it in the RFP. And if you can't define it in the RFP, you can't expect offers to know what you want. And this leads to a really messy source selection process and and a lot higher potential for protests. This makes me think of of OTAs, other transaction authority. The 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 most recent trend in acquisition, OTAs seem to be popping up left and right. The lack of FAR requirements in how those competitions are conducted uh, with an OTA has created lots of guessing on industry's part. And I've heard lots of complaints, I guess is a nice word. Lots of comments from- Frustration. From, frustrations from industry, but not really understanding how to win OTAs. The people that win them love them because- Ah, this was so easy. This was different. This is faster, whatever. But the people that, that lose them are really confused. So what I'm trying to say is no matter what the form of the solicitation, clarity matters. It, it makes for an easier process, a, a faster award, more likely to get the actual best solution, more actually to award to the, the actual best solution Guessing isn't isn't really fun on anyone's part. And I think, Kevin, I, our suspicion, we talked about this before, our suspicion is that before long, OTAs will be reined in in a way that makes them not so much the the Wild West of, of government acquisition because that lack of clarity is going to lead to problems. Yeah, we'll, we'll do an episode about OTAs soon <laughs> because, yeah, the trend, the trend has been building for a while. All right, I was just talking about industry. Why does industry care? Uh, clarity, yes. <laughs> Back to clarity. Clarity allows you to self-eliminate from competitions you can't win. And that's the best way to, to optimize your bid and proposal budget, right? Don't spend all your money on things you can't win. And that little aside on OTAs, sometimes you don't know if you can win or not. It's very confusing how they're going to select the awardee, or it can be very confusing. We talk about targeting all the time, and this is targeting. Clarity helps you target. It also helps you compound the value of your past performance. If you're targeting a specific agency and you're targeting a particular type of work, you can build on that past performance. You, we did episodes about past performance as a bridge, right? Well, that compounding value of the past performance, which you clearly have to understand, the RFE has to be have some clarity about, is this going to allow us to take advantage of the past performance that we've built in order to compound the value of doing the work, as opposed to just getting into a knife fight over price because we all look the same because past performance is not clear. And again, I've run source selections where I caused that unknowingly until I got to the source selection zone. As we focused on in part one, 
building past performance history, it, it takes time. You have to do it strategically, industry folks, if you want to move up to bigger contracts. If you want to win a $10 million award, but your biggest contract right now is $100,000, you're going to need a better past performance story than that. You might have to have a million-dollar contract that you completed successfully and then a $5 million contract that you completed successfully before you can be taken seriously on a $10 million award. Yeah, that's the compounding. If you have strategically built your past performance library and documented it, then when you read an RFP that says, this is what is similar or relevant to this, you're able to pull from that library things that match their criteria. If you haven't built the history, if you haven't thought about the, the jobs you need to do to build up to the next big job, and especially if you haven't documented it, you won't be able to do that. And your past performance volume is going to look really generic. And I've seen them. You can tell people that are just, they're throwing darts. They're throwing past performance darts versus the ones that have built up a strategy that is being culminated in the contract that, that they sent a proposal to win. Yeah, I've seen those really, really stretched past performance references myself. I may have stretched a few. All right, before, <laughs> before I get into those stories, let's end this one for today. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. All right, see you, Paul. That's it for part two of our past performance series. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we invite you to check out the Skyway community at skywayacq.com. Not only is the website new, but we've redefined the membership levels to make it easier to understand the value that you get for each membership level. At the personal membership level, you get access to the blogs and the webinars and all the learning materials for only $20 a month. At the professional level, you get access to the forum and direct access to the Skyway team members. And at the premium level, that's where we build a relationship with your company and regular consulting hours are part of the membership. Anyway, check out the site skywayacq.com. Thanks again for joining us here on the podcast and we'll see you next week.